previously on Reading in Church and Other Distractions. That was a remarkable paper. Well, we have more time left to talk about But in which you created a joke that was absolute art. Um, and and you were in the back of the room with popcorn. This I is was. at a official grown-up professional scholar. Yeah, thing. so we're supposed to be professional grown-up scholars. And the, probably the only reason I attended this session was because I knew that you had a joke come to you in the shower that you said, I have to work in this paper. And you were live-tweeting it. Oh, it was amazing. The best part of it was the characters that you had created as caricatures in your joke were presenting right in front of you at this meeting. That was the best part. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> person was supposed and to And it be. had the line, had had John, the disciple saying... They had John saying no, to John Peter. Saying to John Peter. saying to Peter, who died and made you Pope. That was the big punchline. Oh yeah. So you can imagine the now. I think that that's fairly obvious. I think they don't need any more detail than that on our Yeah, podcast. I think you get the picture. They get a, a picture of who we are. I don't know that they get the joke. <laughs> Sometimes I have to remind myself, did that really happen? Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike. This week's episode. It's a plunderful life. Isthmus time at Corinth. I don't think that's a deal breaker whether we're ready or not. That's so. a fair point. Yeah. Are you comfortable? You feel uh, good? You feel do this. I can uh, check on it's it. It's gone now. Is that a screensaver? I'm sorry, I just went back to that, that Farsight episode. My my God, the fuel light's on, Jim. The fuel light. Oh, no, wait. That's just the intercom light. Never mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The sound is gone. No, wait. We're fine. Oh, do we need something time-wise since that's not working yet? I've got my watch. Okay. All right. Got a watch. All right. Cool. All so, right. Ready? You knew previously? Uh, no. We'll no, do I, don't, I don't need to do that. So. <laughs> well, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we are... Uh, are you talking to me? or I am. I am speaking to you. people. Since you're the only all, one here. All the ships at the sea. And all, <laughs> good morning, Mr. and Mrs. America, and all the ships at sea. <laughs> This has taken a weird turn early, hasn't it? I mean, normally we can at least get into this thing. That's about the sound quality this. we have sometimes. Well, I am I am okay. Robert Wallace. And I am Michael McKeever. And we are uh, still doing this, which is exciting. Wow. We I hope know. you're still listening. Because <laughs> we've enjoyed yeah. doing this very much. Give us a sign. Somehow. So this is the uh, third, is this the third week yeah. of Epiphany mm-hmm. that third, we're doing? Third week of Epiphany. Okay, so uh, Isaiah 9 and Psalm 27, Matthew 4 and 1 Corinthians 1. That's what I have also. Go, well, good, it's because good. this is going to be a really it awkward... It's not always the case. Yes, where we have comp- competing scriptures. Um, oh, yeah? Well, I see your Isaiah and raise you a Micah. And Ezekiel, I didn't see that. Yeah. A wild so, card. Well, great. Well, I hope that this new year is going to go be going well for everyone. The new church year has already started. But yeah, that's new, right. New you know, it, you know, we're recording this in mid-November, so we, I'm still thinking about Christmas. I'm still thinking about Advent, you know, oh, yeah. and I'm realizing I can't get my head uh, yeah. into Epiphany. Epiphany is here. Um, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Epiphany! Get your head an Epiphany. Get, get your, your head around. Get epiphany. your Epiphany. I face wouldn't mind on. an Epiphany. That would be nice. A sudden, sudden realization. That would be whatever that means. Hmm. Manifest. God manifest. All right. You know what else I'm thinking about? What's that? Barbecue. Really? Because yeah. we're about to go to yeah, Texas. Yeah, we are about to go to Texas. Get some barbecue. It's going to be yummy. And steaks. I'll just get that out there. Yeah, that's good stuff. All right. All right. Well, you want to want to start with scripture now that we've wandered around? Yeah, Have yeah. We've wandered think, around long uh, enough. Yeah, we've tagged all the bases. Okay, all right. good. So Isaiah, third third uh, uh, week of Epiphany, Isaiah 9, 1 through 4. You thought I was going to read third, third Isaiah. I, I did think yeah. you were going to read third yeah. Isaiah. You yeah. had me going there. I'm going to do that. All right, Isaiah 9, 1 through 4. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. I'll have to just take that <laughs> by faith. <laughs> For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. What's the day of Midian? I don't know what the day of Midian oh, is. Okay. Also, Zebulun and Naphtali are tricky, too. So, I mean, I assume I that's a victory against the Midianites, probably back in the book of Numbers. Okay. Um, that's probably the reference we're talking 
I was about to say if it, it, that would make sense because it has wilderness imagery, but it's actually the psalm today that has some more wilderness imagery. Right. And Zebulun and Naphtali are northern tribes. Okay, yeah. around around the northern edge of of Sea of Galilee, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. northwestern or both no, sides. Uh, north eastern, I think. Oh, or, okay. Well, now you've got me. I need a map. I'm gesturing. Does that help? Can, the way is of the, the gesturing coming up. The here? way of the sea makes is, me think of the uh, the valley, the Megiddo, the you know right the, 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 the break. pass through the the Carmel yeah, the Mountains. Pass, the yeah, pass. there's there's three different passes there were three different passes through the the mount carmel the carmel mountains and uh, one yeah the megiddo is one of the more the famous one there in the middle okay. and then there was a northern and a southern pass okay. as well so i'm assuming the road that ran along the the sharon plain and such down the coastline is the way i, I don't know which sea we're referring oh, to yeah, here yeah is this mediterranean is this galilee lake that's I what know. i wasn't sure of no i don't i don't know for sure either on that yeah so but uh, but we get some happiness here, which is yeah, nice because we just had some sadness. I mean, it was dark in, in, eight? in eight. Yeah, yeah. we were closing in eight. There's darkness. We've seen that uh, the king is not going to do what God wants. Um, that's oh, back right. in Isaiah yeah. seven, actually. Right. Um, in Isaiah seven, Ahaz has decided not to put the Lord to the test because he's basically saying, "I'm not planning on doing what mm-hmm. God says anyway," mm-hmm. and so. Isaiah says, you know, God himself will give you a sign. And we get the sign of Emmanuel, and we get the sign of Maharshal Hashbaz, which is so much fun to say in, oh, right. yeah. in Isaiah yeah. 8. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of that, you have the sense of darkness because of Ahaz's appeal to Assyria. Because that's basically what's happening here, is you have this group of kings that are wanting to form a coalition you know, of the willing to fight against uh, Assyria. Because you're never going to beat Assyria by yourself. They right. are they are the big bad superpower, massive military, massive economics, massive, you know, group of people that can march just march across the Levant and really the big Iron Age empire at the beginning of of um, pretty much the whole time we have a monarchy in Israel. Um, you like the sports equivalent of the Cubs. Uh, right, the right. dynasty that the yes, Cubs is. That's, yes, that's just that, beginning. No. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. The parallels are almost direct. The dawn. The dawn. But then the you dynasty. have these these small market uh, these small yeah. market countries that are trying to fight this juggernaut, and so they realize they can't take them on. So that the idea is they're gonna they're gonna join together. They're gonna have Israel. You're gonna have Aram. You're gonna have all these other nations come together, and they try to talk Judah into it. Judah doesn't want any part of it. Uh, instead, the king of Judah decides he's going to, to tattletale on these other kings to the king of Assyria and become a loyal vassal of the Assyrian Empire. And so Isaiah warned him. Isaiah said, don't do anything. Just, just trust God. Will be, you do your wallpaper impersonation. Let other people fight against the Assyrians. God will take care of you. But but that, first of all, that would be hard. I mean, you've got you've got people who used to be your allies wanting to destroy you because you can't you won't fight with them. Did they have wallpaper? Back they then? they I don't know if they had stucco. Maybe hey, be a, do your stucco. Be there. The uh, the um, Assyrians are bearing down, and you have to face them. And so the king felt like, well, I got if I got to pick two teams. Isaiah saying pick God. He's saying I'm going to pick the Assyrians. So he appeals to the Assyrians. He accepts Assyrian control which means part of the gross national product now has to go to the Assyrians. They accept some Assyrian sanction in religious groups. I mean, it's, it really is. A, and I think what we see this hope passage here where uh, we've switched from a, a, a message of darkness to, you know, but those wandering in darkness now have seen a great light. There is hope. And you get this, the yoke of their burden, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. I think that is that Assyrian illusion. Okay. That that f- the first people to hear this are going to hear this as oh, okay we're we're going to be released from this this terrible situation that the king has placed us in uh, and okay. you know okay. there is going to be a, actually but enough about the election right but, uh, right after on. this verse verse five has holy war imagery in it it uh. actually has the the burning of clothes the burning of the spoils the plunder that's been divided up. You know that that God has been God is going to do the fighting. It's not we don't have to trust in our army. We don't have to trust in our military. We don't have to join with these other countries. God is going to throw the yoke off, and we can we can pass it on. So it it's, really is this. God is big. Their their life is so different. I mean, because I hardly yes. ever say like you know like like Thanksgiving or when 
plunder when we, you know, when we divide up the plunder, <laughs> when we mugged that guy, yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff. You know, it's not part of my life. That's know? right. Warfare. It's, 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 dividing up the plunder is not. Yeah. Well, the, you know, conquering and dividing the plunder. It's like you know, it's like something. It's, it's like so that. common that you allude to it when talking about something else. That's true. It, you know, and then there's no lines either. In my well, it's life, like so. the reminder of that. I always tell the students, right, that sometimes the Bible feels very close, like yeah. it's speaking right to you. Right. And then sometimes it feels very far. And this is one of those times <laughs> yeah. when it feels very like, far. You yes. know, like the joy you have when you harvest or when you divide up plunder. Divide you know, like plunder. that. Yeah. That kind of joy. Yeah. Oh, and that then, kind of you know, joy. Like we talk about burning the clothes and stuff sure. later in the chapter. Sure. <laughs> I, now I'm tracking. Good times. <laughs> now I'm tracking. So, yeah, look it up. This is You'll find that under the definition for good times. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dividing the plunder. So, so yeah, it is. Uh, it's this. Uh, the prophets always... Prophets are trying to always run that line between criticizing and energizing. I mean, they are not hmm. just being critical they also are are i think the way i best explain it is the prophets are cursed with this ability to see what is and what could be and that's truly a curse to see what is possible huh. and at the same time to see what is okay the frustration that that must bring out i mean yeah. i always tell the students it's the same thing that we have as professors right because we see what they're capable of. I wasn't sure of. if you are going to say professor or Pro- parent. Professor or parent, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. We see what they're capable of yeah. and we see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, mm-hmm. And yeah. on, on the, all of, I think, prophetic speech comes from that place and comes from a place of you're not, you know, living up to the vision that God had for you, which is the criticizing part, and then the energizing part of, and this is the vision God has for you. This is what's mm-hmm. possible yeah. if you can hold on and try. So I think we've just come off of the, the the darkness you have brought on us. Oh my gosh, what are you doing to? But the people who've walked in darkness have seen a great light. Right. This is still or, or coaches have that walk that line. Yeah, that's too, true. Don't they? Yeah. That's true. Yeah, coaches. They probably have more latitude than professors or parents. parents. <laughs> well, they have more authority. I think well, they, 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 they have, have the currency. Have, don't the they? coaches I've known. Students let them criticize more. They're open to correction, oh. even more than professors, oh, more yeah. than parents, yeah, more than pastors too. often. Yeah, that's it's true. amazing the influence they have in people's lives. I didn't know we were going to go down this road, but <laughs> so yeah, you're you're exactly right because normally if we will critique a paper or we critique, I mean we yeah. get we get pushback, yeah. right? But when a when a coach says because you you're motivated to do, to be on the team to do your best, yeah. you're thinking about you know doing your best. That's why you're there. It's an issue of trust at that point too. Yeah. So, yeah. So that that I think is a, a prophetic vision to see what is and what could mm-hmm. be, and and the frustration that and comes from walking that. that balance. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And when when are you doing? Right. I mean, I think of somebody like Ezekiel who spends all of his time criticizing, and the minute Jerusalem falls, switches Im- immediately to energizing. There is no yeah. strutting. Right. There is no yeah. told you people. It is. He goes immediately from okay. Try to warn you to. Yeah, energizing. What's the halftime talk going to be? You know, what's yeah. it going to be about? Plunder. Right. Plus, plus dividing the, the plunder. plunder. That's what we're going to be doing. Energize with. these guys. Yeah. Oh. So plunder, plunder shares. So. Yeah. Hmm. So Interesting. Anyway. So yeah, that's Isaiah. And I don't know. Of course, it's always used as a mess. It's also messianic now, right? Well, we yeah, it shows up in, it. in Matthew, right? We're going to quote it in Matthew. Psalm 27. Can I can I complain about what the lectionary has done? Yeah. Uh, because it's done two things that are irritating to me. Right you want to complain now? Or I want, can I afterwards? complain early? Let okay. me complain yeah, early. Because okay. you you'll hide my complaint okay. by All your right. reading of okay. this. It's Psalm 27, verses 1 and verses 4 through 9. So yeah. my first complaint is we've left out verses 2 and 3. Which <clears> don't, I mean, that's yeah. not nice. Yeah. And then, in the long. on top of that, this psalm is, is an unusual psalm in that it divides really neatly into two bits. In fact, for years, people have suggested that Psalm 27 is actually two psalms stuck together. It's mm-hmm. verses 1 through 6, and then 7 to the end. Yeah. And and yeah. so what has happened now is not only are we leaving out verses 2 and 3, but we've stopped in the middle of the second half of the second part of the psalm. which Yeah, we have something like that. As Corinthians. Really, Corinthians do that? Well, no, but I mean, we're going to... It's funny how they break it up. As a canonical scholar, that just irritates me. I'm going to give you latitude to tell us what's missing here. No, no, that's all right. No. I can talk about what's here. That's okay. fine. That's right. okay. I'll be I mean, all right. Yeah, I might be curious. I'm a team okay. player. Okay. okay. Well, I, I might need, well. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Psalm 27, verses 1 mm-hmm. and 4 through 9. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. 
of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me on he will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. A little bit of Yoda. (laughs) Okay, do not, I I can finish this. I can do this. Stay focused. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. Uh, yeah. Do you want to? What verses are missing there, and what do they talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about what's not here, okay. if All we will. Right. Well, one thing that's fascinating is we leave off the word of trust uh, uh-huh. because the second half is very much a lament, and the 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 laments always have a word of trust in them. I mean, that's one right. of the neat parts. I mean, over yeah. half of the Psalms in the Old Testament have these lament features to them. And in all the cases, except one that is not actually in the lectionary, so we won't get to talk about Psalm 88. Um, <laughs> but uh, in all of the laments, there is this moment where the psalmist says, but I know God has heard me, but God right. is my trust, but mm-hmm. God is my salvation. So even, yeah. in, even in this, don't forsake me, don't, you know, don't turn your back on me, God, there's always this moment of trust. They leave off that. Yeah. Right. They just they stop in this case with a, an imploring, which that's fascinating. I don't know why you do it that way. I mean, it would seem like you finish at six. Yeah, where you where you stop it. Or, well, I always ask the question when I when Jesus is quoting Psalm twenty two on the cross. Yes. Do we infer my that God, my God, it ends, why it ends in a, in the statement of trust? It does end in a statement of trust. And so, should we understand? I mean, there's there's lots of big big theological pillars set on the fact that they don't say that. That's so correct. I, so I said, yeah, I think probably you could presuppose the larger psalm. So I don't know. Could you? I don't know. I don't know either. Sometimes it's very precise. Like Jesus stops in the middle of a verse and rolls up a scroll. At right, and so, he's done. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I have to ponder those. That's, that's a good I, I don't. Yeah. I tend to think that you don't infer the rest of the psalm okay. when I do it. Right. But I'm not a New Testament guy. I'm well, an Old people, Testament guy. People build a lot on their inferences. So They do. And, yeah. They do. So, I, I mean, I would have thought this would be a natural read one to six. And then sometime later, you can read 7 through, I think it's 10 or 12, at the end of this. And Well, you can do that when you have a podcast on what the Bible says. That's this true. Is about this what this the is about the lectionary. Oh, you, you got me there. You got yeah. me there. Um, there's a, a neat little turn of phrase at the beginning. There's a pun or a play on words on light and fear. Oh. Uh, my light, ori, whom shall I fear, iri, hmm. um, which is kind of a neat little play. Um, you have a lot of... Uh, God's house language here, right? House of the Lord, yeah. the temple, his sanctuary, his tent, um, the cover of his tent. And, and I like, he will hide me in his shelter, which is uh, sukkah, uh, which is just the holiday of uh, tabernacles or, or booths. Um, oh, sukkot. There, yes, yeah, sukkot, sukkot uh, mm-hmm. that we have there. So he's hiding me in his sukkot. So, I, you know, when I see that and hear about the cover of his tent, that immediately brings up wilderness wandering. Right. That's, that's what that holiday well, is remembering. Yeah, and this is not set. I mean, this is all... This is all during the era of the temple. Right, right exactly. Exactly. So this so we're we're calling to mind this uh God is our complete provision and we are in the wilderness and uh, we have okay. no help apart right. from the divine. Yeah. And um so we're in, in God's sukkah, his 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 tent and or his uh, shelter and he's in his tabernacle and and off we're wandering around, and, right. and he's providing for us. Yeah. Um, you don't you don't start with whom shall I fear unless you actually are Right. You know, whistling in the dark. Uh, unless there's reason to fear other things. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Fearing? Who's fearing? I'm not fearing. Who brought up fearing? I don't need it. I'm not fearing. Yeah, no. he's afraid. Clearly you're not fearing. Right. Right. Yeah. right. You're very spiritual. And look yeah. at all these things you're saying. Well, it reminds me of the, the guy who said, 
that Chip Kelly came out this week and said, well, the one thing I'm not going to be doing is coaching in college next year. Um, and everyone said, well, the one thing now we know for certain is he'll be coaching in college coaching next, college year, next right? year. Whom shall I fear? Let me just process some of this I'm, stuff verbally. I'm not afraid of anything. Well, right. the one thing we're certain of is he's afraid of something. We have friends, so, like, friends and colleagues like this. Right? Uh, we, we do, this actually. This guy verbally processes. Processing out loud. Exactly. So so here... Sometimes wandering. I'm fa- I find it fascinating that we go back to this image of of wilderness in verse five, that is so, is this time when we, they're so exposed, yeah, right? There's right. no food, there's mm-hmm. no water, there's nothing apart from God's provision. And it's, it's amazing to, uh, it's in, I believe, Jeremiah two. Lions, swamp jackals. Lions, swamp jackals. Kind of stuff. Who knows what else yeah. is out there. Uh, when God in Jeremiah two says, uh, boy, you know, things were just so good in, in the wilderness. Yes, and, yeah. and I just yeah. think, did God not read numbers? Yeah. Right? I mean, did he just right. leave that part yeah. out? Because, yeah. but that image of God thinking, you know, you just, you had to rely on me, right? There was this total reliance. Things were total simpler provision. back there. It was easier. They're barely so existing. So, so you have that, that image here, which I really like mm-hmm. that image there. And, um, isn't that a paradox though? When you do sense the provision, when you really when need you it, need the provision you really oh, without question, calling out for it. And I mean, those are special times. I've, I've talked many times about, uh, with students when, um, I was in my, grad program and you know what it's like you know we were were working seven jobs between us and couldn't pay the rent and and things were incredibly tight and and it was the most difficult financial time i think we've ever had as a family and i don't know i ever felt closer Mm -hmm. and more dependent on god than that time in so many ways Um, so i love uh proverbs i think it's proverbs 38 where uh that i often wonder if jesus is not alluding to it in the, the lord's prayer when in Proverbs it says, uh, "Give me enough bread for today," yeah. because right. if I uh, if I don't have any, I might steal and profane you. Yeah. But if I have too much, I might forget you're my God. Right. So give get me through today, yeah. which is not a prayer that any of us really want mm-hmm. to pray. We would like God mm-hmm. to send us, you know, enough for lots and lots to daily bread. But God says daily bread. Yeah. Manna manna only comes on a daily basis, which mm-hmm. is a very frustrating thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, Come, my heart says, seek his face. Another reminder that, remember, heart is the seat of, of reason uh-huh. um, more than emotion. So yeah. he's talking himself into this. And I do think it's fascinating that you have four, at the end, four questions for God, right? Don't hide your face. Don't turn your servant away. Don't cast me off. Don't forsake me. And two statements of confidence. You, you're my help and you're my salvation. Right. Um, and and it's, not object, it's not in the abstract here. God is my help. God is yeah. my salvation. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I didn't think about just this moment. I think that, uh, help is S3 there. Do you have a Hebrew Bible, uh, that I could grab quickly as I we talk about this? I have one. Um, over does the there. New Testament guy have a Hebrew Bible? The second. Yeah. Right there. Um, next to, next to Philo. That's, well, that's where everyone keeps their Hebrew Bible is next to Philo. <laughs> yes. Of course. Um, now, I'm fascinated by that because that word for help is a word that is used in Genesis, if it is the word that I think it is. Um, my, let me see, my sir, yes, yes, e, salvation. Yeah, it is. Atsriti. Uh, that is a word that's used of Eve. Oh, when, oh okay. Yeah, yeah when Eve right. is the helper. Uh, God here, and usually when they talk about he, Eve, they say that's what the use, word used for God. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, do they really? I've never heard anyone. I've heard that. Yeah, I've been. I haven't been around people many people who are pro Eve people. Pro Eve people say this word used. For, it is <laughs> yeah. a word used for yeah. God. Yeah, and exactly. uh, see, I'm fighting against the people. Well, who say, it's not a hierarchical. Exact, term. Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm yeah. fighting against people who see it as a hierarchical term. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. it's not. Right. God has been right. my help, mm-hmm. um, and God is my salvation, and that is you know so. So yeah. four times, don't turn me away, don't hide your face, don't don't cast me off, don't forsake me. Be, you're my help, you're my salvation. Um, it's pretty concrete, and it's more like uh, the God is the ground of being, or you know, it, it, it really. <laughs> so anything's going to get you through a tough spot. It's going to be some abstract <laughs> philosophy, right? No, no, this is this is real. This is my help and my salvation. Mm-hmm. Not you know, He's help. He's good. God, just cast your cares on God. No, no, no. This is He is mine, and yeah. very personal. I like that. That's just powerful to me. So, yeah. Yeah, even though he is he is connecting with some some communal uh, ritual here mm-hmm. and, and temple settings, institutions, it's very personal. It is, and he's and he, he looks forward to it, and it's 
He de- it's his desire. Yes. You know? And for some reason, historically, this psalm has been understood by uh, form critical scholars as being a royal image of one. What is wrong with them? I don't. <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> Those crazy form critics. No, I, I just. I just re- encountered that. Someone saying that. I don't know what they're referring to. So. I don't. I don't see it here. Mm. I mean, I don't see this, you know, charge for the king mm. here. Maybe it is. I mean, maybe. Unless it's all the references to uh, temple and temple? tabernacle yeah. institutions. I don't see that. Centralized. Royal image, do you? Or not if you're evoking tabernacle and wandering. Exactly. That can't be there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so no, I don't. And now, refuge, setting me on a high rock, refuge is, uh, uh, there's several biblical scholars who see that as the central message of the Psalter, is God is refuge. Oh, um, okay. you're going to say the high rock. Probably. No, no. Well, that's a good place to find it. Okay. Um, yeah. Particularly right. when, when yeah. the rains come. But uh, Yeah, because it's like, you, what are you talking about? You know, the temple. Yeah, I mean, the tabernacle. A rock, high rock. A high rock. A high rock. Like, okay, what's, the, oh. what's the organizing principle here? <laughs> oh, a place of refuge. Refuge, exactly. Okay. Um, yeah. And God's beauty. We don't get that a lot. We don't get the beauty of the Lord. It's here hmm. in the text, but not as, we get that as common. What what which verse is that? Uh, verse four. Oh, okay. I live in the house and behold the beauty of the Lord. Yeah. Because remember, tabernacle yeah. is, and yeah. we talked about that. Ta- temple or tabernacle is a place of God's presence, yeah. that image of presence. Right. These are all images of presence. Right. Which is why high on the rock gets you there too, because we talked about that. I think in the first podcast with mountains being. Yeah. Yeah. Images right. Of presence. Right. So yeah, living in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So there's some very literal images of that in in Luke. You know, Anna she never leaves the temple. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, like hey, you can't. You, we're closing up. You gotta. <laughs> you gotta have to move along, lady. I don't think they close. Yeah. <laughs> the twenty four seven for the temple. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe the courts, of the temple. A place to stay there. Is there a bench you could sleep on? Is that her bench? Oh, there's enough acreage you could. That's true. Could it, was yeah. it was huge. It was huge. Matthew. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth, made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. What a remarkable coincidence. Wow, odds of that. So that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region of shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets. And that sounds like Mark. Immediately, they left their nets. And they got their people nets. And (laughs) they changed those nets and got people (laughs) nets. And said, This should hold him. No, um, immediately, they (laughs) left. Taught them about metaphor. (laughs) And then Jesus talked about metaphor. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called to them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Okay. Making people leave. Right. So same territory, right, from... From, from Isaiah 9. Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And I had to glance over and see, did he say Galilee of the nation? He says Galilee of the nations in our, this translation. Galilee, Galilee of the Gentiles. Same thing. Yeah, Same I wonder thing. if it's it, uh, Goy Yeah, yeah what Isaiah. is it in, in oh, Isaiah? I'll you, look it up you can in my, look that up. now that I've got my Hebrew Bible handy. Right. And so this is, um, this is right after the temptation. Okay. So he's coming uh, and out, baptism, out of that. Right? Baptism, that baptism and then came right temptation. After that. And I don't think we read the temptation. No, I don't think we did. A little bit. Fuzzy because it's been a couple weeks since we've done this, but um, yeah. So one of the first things he does here is uh, create call a community together. But it's also interesting this this language of the territory. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, goyim, is uh, it? so it's it's okay. nations. But that is a word usually that is thought of as referring to Gentiles. Yeah, so. yeah. That's that's pretty much yeah. So non-Jewish how they, how they talk about it. Yeah, yeah. and in. And in Matthew, it's kind of ambiguous. Like, are the Gentiles positive or, or negative? And uh, he, he seems to envision a mixed church, and they're often pointed to as both. They're 
they're kind of a stereotypical outsider or or sinner, like some people are talked about. But then they sometimes will surprise you. And uh, so, be, like Luke, it would be they'd be usually decidedly positive, right, Gentiles? Well, they're still interacting with the society, beginning from a worldview that saw them as negative, you know, outsiders. Okay. And so they're always surprising counterexamples when they show up. Okay. There's a little bit more of the conventional stereotypes in Matthew. So it's probably more of a, it's more entrenched Jewish worldview in Matthew and looking outward okay. toward the reality of the day of Matthew, that it's a mixed congregation. Okay. Whereas Luke might be framed in terms of point of view, starting from a Gentile perspective, who's getting, who's, who's familiar with the, the okay. Jewish story, but wondering how am I part of the story? So it's a, it's a little bit different because he's going to end um, going to all nations and make disciples of all, right, all nations. Matthew. So yeah. he's headed there. But it's an it's a different route. Yeah, so it's, it, uh, Luke is sort of from the outsider's perspective, mm-hmm. breaking into the story yeah. in surprisingly positive ways. Yeah. Whereas in Matthew, they are decidedly negative usually. And well, then every a, now and it's then, more mixed. It's okay. more like okay. it's more like well, that's very negative. That's kind of he just tossed up. It's not central to the story. He might use a negative gentile uh, image and metaphor, but often when they're central to the story, they're exemplary sort of people who respond to the message uh, just like a a centurion shows up a lot in the in the gospels yeah and that's not because they're good guys it's got like uh yeah even centurions are repenting you know these <laughs> okay. these bad these guys who okay. harass gotcha. us gotcha. these are the these are the really powerful people in an occupying force so when they show up it's like man centurions must have been great those roman centurions they're, <laughs> they they're, really seem no, to know no that's not they why they're there they're surpri- they're always surprising examples like okay. you know sinners prostitutes and even centurions are responding to this message what? so yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I forget why I got on that. But, yes. Galilee of the Gentiles. Yeah, Galilee of the Gentiles. So he is heading toward a, a mission that's going to, you know, in, be encompassing and uh, dis- disposed toward Gentiles. Even though there's some harsh things said a, 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 along the way about Gentiles. But I think that that's in view here. Uh, when it's actually there in view here, and it's not just toss-off phrase or something like that. For uh, a story that's about something else, it's very positive. And uh, there were Gentile cities around um, the edge of um, the Sea of Galilee or the, the different names mm-hmm. they used for mm-hmm. it, the Sea of Tiberias and, and whatnot. And we don't even hear about those Gentile cities, Sepphoris. And, right. and Jesus would have you know, been adjacent to them probably. Um, it would be difficult to avoid them entirely. may have had to work in some of those Roman-dominated cities. So... Um, it's interesting to think about that. Okay. When we were there, there, you know, I, I, you know, it's there not that long ago. So, uh, when I was in Israel, it was such a rushed experience. It always seems. I'm sure it is. But we were there for a political tour, mm-hmm. but also a religious tour, and so it was almost we didn't almost didn't even sleep at night, right. and so it's just so it was too rushed thing. So now it's like. It's. I'm revisiting every time I just happen to read through a section. Oh, like all these scenes come come you know sure. flooding back. And as I'm on the northern shore of uh, of the Sea of Galilee near Capernaum, I'm looking toward the Golan Heights and I'm mm-hmm. thinking about what is going on in Syria. You right. Know? The the un, the unimaginable suffering. You know, and that's right. what I connected with thinking about this uh, uh, and the and as you were talking about the bad situation in that right in Israel's. Territory. In fact, this might have been uh, part of Syrian territory, uh, Roman Syria mm-hmm. in Matthew's day. But yeah, um, that's good news, you know. Is the uh, assumption he's withdrawing so that he doesn't get in trouble? Well, yeah, uh, he because um, John has been imprisoned, right? So he's come back to uh, Galilee, but he's not. He's left Nazareth, and it's I don't know if that's narrated here because I didn't read it. But he's he's not relocating in Nazareth. He's relocating uh, Capernaum. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be his base of operations. And so um, that is kind of evoking the beginning, the beginning of this uh, this dawn, the beginning mm-hmm. of Jesus' ministry, an intentional movement away from Jerusalem for the time being. It might be danger and uh, protection coming to the north. But the, the first thing he does is call disciples. And he's not, we don't hear that he's doing miracles. Uh, we don't really hear that specifically other than the summary. What's really the focus here is that he's calling people to follow him. I, you know what, I'm going to go back for just a second because as you were talking, I was just thinking about the Isaiah passage and how on the heels of 
this king making this terrible decision, um, this moment of hope breaks through and the people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on the heels of this king making this terrible decision and address and arresting John, mm -hmm. the people now are going to experience this great light. Um, yeah. And it, it really yeah. is an interesting right. intertext there with the, the darkness of the end of eight, the darkness of John's arrest, and then the light that comes because God is doing something new here. God is doing something new. The light has come to, right. to these people. That's, yeah. I, that just yeah. occurred to me as you were talking. Yeah. About and this. so it's uh, he's, John, John has been arrested because he's preaching this, this message of repentance and this right. coming change of the powers. And so, so Jesus runs away on the one hand. On the other hand, he starts preaching he's that preaching message. preaching that exact message, yes. It's like, oh, that's good and bad. That's a mixed bag. If I stay here, I could get arrested. I'm going to go over there and preach this message. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> so, change my geography. Maybe that's the issue. That's, maybe that's what John's problem was. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's interesting. When we were there, we were at this. I know we spent a fair amount of time in Nazareth because we were at a, a – a conference on on peace, you know mm -hmm. that the turmoil, tumultuous situation. Never going to catch up. Yeah, but it was interesting, and the, and then we spent some time around Galilee, and we kind of were mentally preparing ourselves for going down to Jerusalem. And they were saying, you know, things are a lot more intense down there. Up in Nazareth, people really do get along much better mm -hmm. than they do the further south you go. That's true. Really I mean, in retrospect, I know that, but I didn't really realize. You know, it's like, man, this is so intense when you get down to Jerusalem. I guess it, you know, perennial. Some things haven't like, changed. That's the, yeah, you get to the center. You can say things up in Galilee, up in the sticks. Mm -hmm. You can get away with things. But you go down to the, the center, you know, the, the center of everything and uh, you do things in the temple, you're not going to get away you're with it. You're not going to get away with it. Jesus didn't get away with it. Yeah. So this is a good news for, good news for Galilee. Uh, not so good news for, for John. And he calls two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter. Uh, and we're find skipping out ahead there, right? I mean, there's not, we, he's not yeah. called Peter yet. Yeah, that's not a, yet. So this is the way, you know. Oh, that's Simon. Yeah, this is the way narratives work with uh, sometimes engaging explicitly what you already know. And uh, other times, you know, but you're still going to hear the story about how that happened, right? Okay. The rock, the rock. And Andrew, his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. So they are not destitute people. They're probably not middle class either, but they are people of means, and they leave those immediately. I mean, that's that's hard for us to do in a very hyper-individualized society. Mm -hmm. How, what does that mean? What kind of disruption does it cause personally for them and also mm -hmm. for these networks, these mm -hmm. social networks? Um, Jesus may not have been popular uh, asking for that kind of demand. I mean, uh, the families, you know, he's talking about dividing Households and yeah. people to being split. It's like, well, they feel that if if, if an individual up and leaves, and uh, not everyone's on board with that. So doesn't seem to be any uh, hesitation here. They're casting a net, and he says, "Follow me, and I will make you fish for people." Now, is there an image in the prophets? I I can't remember where it is. Been there an image in the prophets of a uh, uh, a hook putting a hook in the mouth of people? Is that an Ezekiel? Mm, that, you know, I don't know the reference specifically, but it wouldn't be unusual. The in the in that case, it would be a decidedly negative thing because uh, that was one of the things the Assyrians would do. Okay, right. That, that would yeah. be a way they could lead you off into oh, captivity. Okay. is to put a hook in your mouth. Hmm, and, maybe and I am thinking of that from Ezekiel. Further humiliate or the Babylonians in the case of Ezekiel, yeah, because they learned their lessons from the Assyrians. I mean this. These nat these major national superpowers they weaponize terror and yeah. do everything they can to be as cruel as possible and record it so that you would be afraid to disobey, and so I I don't doubt that it is there. If it is, it's probably a a very negative image, yeah. um, and it's in its conversation um, that you would lead the people off that way. So. Yeah, and I'm looking it up in Greek while you're talking to see if this says, and I forget whether it's in this gospel, but it's something about catching them uh, alive, catching people oh. alive. And so it's a positive image here. I've thought people might have been alluding to a positive image in the prophets or a prophet saying that's the nature. He's alluding maybe to that negative thing, but saying that's the, that somehow speaks to his role, his it's call, be, as being a transforming prophet. It. Yeah. So there's something there's something positive about catching people. Uh, I might be I might be reading Luke into this. I mean, although that said, that is an image of the Assyrians taking you away from home, taking you away yeah. from family, okay. taking you away from from right. culture. I mean, so 
on some levels, that's kind of what you were describing a second ago. Of, yeah. You know, leaving this disruption. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, creating this disruption, I should say, leaving this family. Well, and authority. I mean, this is unusual. That's that, right. That, that someone calls someone else. Usually someone would approach a teacher mm-hmm. if he's if he's just a rabbi, which he's not, evidently. And uh, this is immediate. And there's there's occasions throughout the uh, the Gospels where the immediacy is what's emphasized. When he's turning toward Jerusalem, he's... Um, He's calling people, and they say, "Well, let me go say, you know, goodbye to my you know, father. Right. Let me let me bury my, bury father, my father, which might mean my father's dead. We're having a funeral this afternoon, or let me wait till he dies, probably, because right. everyone knows that's where your primary allegiance is, right? Right. Uh, in a in a filial piety in a in a patriarchal society, but uh, Jesus says no. You know, even though Elijah allowed Elisha to go to and go back and do that, yeah, wrap up things. This is someone greater than that. So yeah, and we specifically get the father mentioned in twenty two, right? They leave the mm-hmm. boat and their father, right? Yeah. You don't get that with yeah. Andrew, but you do get mm-hmm. that with James and John. Yeah, this is the thing that's that's being left. Immediately left their nets and followed him. And as he went from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and the brother John, in their boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. And immediately left their boat and their father and followed him. So that is not. That's not casual, I don't think. Yeah. The, the, the mention of leaving uh, twice. His yeah. father is mentioned in father. that passage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. In this very concise uh, narrative mode that mm-hmm. that is biblical literature. Once is like you got to pay attention to one thing, but yeah. twice is. It's, it's, uh, James, the son of Zebedee, in the boat with their father Zebedee. Mm-hmm. They left the boat and their father. I mean, he, yeah. he occurs. Did in that I story mention they left times. their father? Yeah, <laughs> it's yes. like someone going out of their way. Three times his name occurs there, is or twice his name occurs, and twice father occurs. That's the big thing to leave right times. there. Yeah. I mean, that's what it, that all society is built around your father. You yeah. know, and uh, this guy can command allegiance and has authority. So rather than starting with miracle, miracles of, of, the, of a natural sort, a spiritual sort, he starts with this sort of uh, authority showing up. Is that what's being heard here? I mean, this, the early audience, they read this, they're saying, holy cow. Yeah, I Here's think so. a guy who has no formal education that we know of, and no, yeah. and he wanders out of the wilderness and, and walks up here and tells people to leave, and they go. Uh-huh. So they're hearing... They're they're this is a formidable person. In fact, this there's is, this is guys off the charts. There's no one like this. No one does we've this. We've never seen anyone with yeah. that kind of who does this charisma. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's what it is. He's very very charismatic <laughs> personality. Jesus boy, everybody loved him. Yeah, and the immediacy of this, so the, the allegiance of this, and so that is one of the qualifications. You know, being with Jesus from the beginning is one of the qualifications for being one of those apostles. apostles. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the thing is, they don't they don't figure that prominently in the story. Usually when they show up, they're blowing it. You know, they're yeah, they're, they're yeah. a counterexample. Right. So being with Jesus is significant. I mean, that's just in and of itself. They've spent time with Jesus. And you might think like, oh, he's going to be main characters in the story. It's like, well, not so much. No. You know, not so we much. We even get their names, right? Anytime you get someone's name uh-huh. in a story, that's a big deal. Yeah. And we still don't know. And now, you know, someone like Luke's going to write another volume, and they are going to be the main characters. They're going to drive the plot, but not so much here. They're they're with Jesus, and uh, they're observing, and they're probably scratching their heads. And what like, yeah, what did I leave this for? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. There's no 401k here. This is a bad uh, idea. And Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Matthew pushes the miracles. Yeah, I was going to say he's healings. burying the lead here, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, and he's going to put him. He's not going to actually do it. This is a summary of that. He's not going to actually focus on that until after the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? Oh, so that's this. That's just lets you know what's important to Matthew. You know, he's a Jesus is a teacher. Okay, Jesus okay. has authority, and he's one who's gathering. Uh, he has an authoritative he's a teacher. Rabbi oh, and he can do disciples. some miracles. But that's yeah, not he can the do, point. Yeah, right. But yeah, did you hear this sermon, man? Yeah, you got to get that. Got to get that uh, podcast. You know, that's uh, that's an interesting thing. That's a little bit different than uh, probably a little bit different than Mark or 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 Luke. Yeah, yeah. It's not as much the miracles, but it's the authority. And then as we're leading into the the teaching, he's gathering a community, uh, repentance, and a recognition that the kingdom is broken in in some fashion. Maybe mm-hmm. not in its fullness, not in an expected way. But that demands a response and a gathering together of a community. And then Sermon on the Mount is the uh, the charter for that community. How, how do you translate kingdom of heaven has come near? 
Yeah, we talked about this a, a little bit earlier in another podcast, and uh, it is you when you when you read biblical references, they're always reading theology into linguistics. Okay, okay. they're reading this, this magic language of the Bible, which is Greek. You know. It's not. It's like other languages, but it has all this uh, freighted uh, history that we have with it. One way to talk about it is that it has broken in or it showed up early. Okay. And yet another another aspect, they might it might be helpful if I knew other ways to talk about things that have arrived. And maybe that was what some of the scholars I've looked at are, are alluding to. But it's that is it, it could be that something that's here and is emerging in its fullness. It hasn't emerged in its fullness. That's okay. how someone has characterized it. And I think I need to take that into uh, account because Jesus spends all his time talking about that mysterious, um, growing, hidden, dynamic aspect of the kingdom. So he talks about seeds and Wait, leaven. Did you say blossom? That blossom. Okay, the kingdom of heaven is blossoming. Is beginning to blossom, yeah. blossom forth. Yeah. Because then you've got an image of it's here and it's starting. It's yeah. not full, right. but it's sort right. of growing into its fullness yeah. kind of idea. And often it is in the, the miraculous, the startling miracles are a background for him to talk about this. The, the observable becomes the background for talking about this unobservable dimension of the kingdom, which is not fully here yet, which is growing but as a but as an unobservable reality that's going to have huge uh huge whoops i said that uh kind of a harvest in the end okay. you know like a tiny seed a mustard seed which goes into a great tree which all the birds of the heavens you know live in which another that's image of gentiles right yeah, yeah write that down that's yeah stuff. yeah that's good it's kind of like i might have i might be quoting someone oh okay there. Sorry. it might not be original it's good stuff yeah you should tell you should tell parables man you're yeah. good man you can do that First Corinthians. Yeah. Let's yeah. jump there. First Corinthians 1, 10 through 18. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you. Speaking of things that are never going to work. No, but that you be united in the same mind. Divisions? Who mentioned divisions? divisions? This is like the guy talking about divisions? fear. I, I, I wonder if there are divisions here. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people. Oh, man, Squealer's dying in prison, Chloe. Come on. This was reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you. That's not in all the manuscripts about the Squealer's. That there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say you were baptized in my name. I assume except Crispus and Gaius. Um, <laughs> yeah. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know whether it's a little digression here. <laughs> yeah, let me think. <laughs> Wait, a Wait a minute. Crispus, Gaius, and maybe Stephanus. But that's it. That's all. Do you want to leave that in the letter, Paul? Yeah, let's leave that. Let's just leave that. That's in good there. stuff. For Christ did not send me to baptize. But to proclaim the gospel and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the, because he's simply demonstrating, as you see <laughs> clearly by verse sixteen, that is not why I'm here. So that the cross of Christ might not be emptied in its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Okay, so here at verse eighteen, yes, many people say, ah, that's the beginning of a new section. Oh, okay, okay. yeah. So that's that's what he's gonna. You know, it could be you know a transitional verse, and we could certainly understand it that way. But that's where he's going from eighteen on. He's going to okay. talk about the foolishness of the cross. So is that is that a concluding thought? Is that the beginning of a new thought? So, so a lot of your Bibles, you know, might make a little heading a there, a little break there between seventeen and eighteen. So I don't um, like those breaks. Yeah, for the message of the cross, that's a very natural way to begin a new a new topic, a new pericope oh, or thought. You we know. wouldn't. But he just did for Christ did not send me. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I want to argue. Yeah, too it's much always on this, no. It's but... always one of those like um, a sign that points both ways. Based on this, I'm going to keep oh, saying okay. this, and it's okay. obviously very fluid. You kind of need to know what's you know everything about that. After after that, 18 is about the foolishness of the cross. Right, right, right. So the cross is mentioned, but then the foolishness of the cross becomes front and center. 18 following. But, uh, and and the divisions come back, right? I mean, that's sort of what's... The division is the number one problem at, at Corinth. Yeah. Right? Well, what I heard someone once say that the Corinthian problem is they had division where they needed unity and unity where they needed division. 
Okay, and where it, did they have unity then? The spiritual gift thing. They wanted oh, okay. to say everybody okay. needs to have the same spiritual yeah. gift. Yeah. Oh, oh, and, I see. Yeah, that's so, a nice uh, aphorism. Like, no, no, no. That's, yeah. That's where we're supposed to be different. Yeah. <laughs> we have different <laughs> gifts. So we fight. No, that's where you're supposed to be the same. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a, a Python skit, you know. <laughs> it kind of does. That could really do, yeah, they could do a number on this. Uh, but this is what I always point my students back to when we look at the Lord's Supper as an example where Paul is going to later going to use some sarcasm to the point of meaning the opposite. Because he'll say at the Lord's introducing the Lord's Supper, he's saying one of those Corinthian air quotes. Oh, deep, yeah. Maybe where he's quoting back their silly language to them. Like, how absurd this is. He says, uh, of course, there have to be a, divisions among you or so. Or else the genuine, air quote, deep knee bend, uh, <laughs> the genuine wouldn't be uh, made manifest. And so that's not in this thinking. He clearly means the opposite. It's like there's no genuine and non-genuine Christians. Right. There's only Christians. There's no carnal and spiritual Christians. If you're a Christian, you're spiritual. You're a new creation. You know, we take that language and use it differently. But uh, he would never make those kind of he wouldn't. He clearly doesn't mean that later in the letter because that's where he starts the letter. Okay. This is where he's getting into really what is the main issue at Corinth, and that is divisions that show up in all kinds of different ways. Although I like what you said about uh, being unified in the, the yeah. things where there should be some diversity. Right. Yeah. And then there's yeah. division where there's supposed to be unity. So he is at, uh, let's see, where did I think? Where is he at? Ephesus? I think he's at Ephesus when he's writing this. He spent a long time at Corinth. You know, he mm -hmm. didn't spend his, a lot of time at a, at a lot of churches. He spent a, 18 months there. You read about mm -hmm. it in Acts 10 or 11. No, 18, Acts 18. He spent a good amount of time there. They know each other very well. Uh, and yet, when he leaves, they chase after other apostles. And right. they, it's a town that uh, is kind of modern in, in the sense of they're interested in the new thing. And what's... Uh, What's sexy and what's uh, alpha what's consumers cool. here? Is that what we got? Yeah. yeah, and actually, people who chase after that sort of stuff may not have good self-esteem. Would you know be a modern way of talking about it? It's like they may not be as grounded as some other people. They they might have moved to Corinth for like I'm going to get rich. I'm going to what's new? You know, mm -hmm. there's all this new stuff coming through through Corinth. It's a port city. It's right? a yeah two ports. Two ports. So That's this, right. This narrow ports. narrow landmass, which That's I always a... ask people for an extra point. What what do we call a landmass? Between two large bodies of water. An isthmus. An isthmus, yes. And you yeah. see, someone always whispers it. Say, Did you say Christmas? Isthmus. <laughs> so he was there a year and a half, so he was there for the isthmus season, which is a, a wonderful time <laughs> at Corinth. Yeah. It is, it's the most he wonderful time of the year, as I, I think I need it. to add a sound effect there when we, when we go low. <laughs> we, we take the, the low road. <laughs> or a sad trombone or something. <laughs> Oh, we'll find the that. Isthmus season. Yes. I'm going to let that one sit so for a he, moment yeah, if I can. That, you marinate for a while. <laughs> so that is, uh, that'll that'll preach poorly. poorly. <laughs> but that's not what we're about. We're about the cross. We're not about eloquence, right? Uh, or puns. Uh, puns. Yes. Anyway. Uh, yeah, this is this is problem number one, <laughs> and which might be at the root of a, a lot of other problems there. And there might be a theological reason for that. And that is some are elitist. Some have this... Uh, this revelation, which makes them, you know, uh, genuine or distinct from others, uh, they might separate off, mm. and uh, they might do all kinds of things because they have this this revelation that uh, I am like like is promised in some Greek mystery religions. I am resurrected in my spirit. I am I'm perfect and complete, and I'm there, and it doesn't matter what I do with my body, right. as we talked about right. in, in another um, conversation. Is the baptism conversation that he has, I mean, aside from being kind of funny to me, mm -hmm. I thank God I baptized no one except Christmas. Well, and, that, and then those are the exceptions. And maybe Stephanus. Yeah, and I can't parentheses. remember if there was anybody else. Uh, yeah. I can't remember. But that's not the point. The point is <laughs> no one can say they were Help baptized. Help me out here, sauce things. <laughs> <laughs> but my, but is, is this the kind of thing that in the Gospels we were fighting against with John and Jesus, right, where... Uh, John has to keep saying, but one comes after me who's going to baptize you even greater. I'm not worthy to Well, that could be. I think your... about it. Baptism is a is an act of identification. In mm -hmm. some some churches, some Baptist churches, yeah, sure. they make you, you have to be baptized that's, in that yeah, church, Yeah, that's right? right. It's membership. And they yeah. may not know why entirely. I mean, they probably like, because the ancient ritual mm -hmm. at the root of it is an act of identification. Well, they may not consciously are they you know these circles better than i do no they wouldn't say it that yeah way. but no. but it is an act of identification so you could kind of misdirect that that identification like I've, i was baptized by john and 
I'm still a disciple of John. Well, you know, in some ways, my my son had a hard time with this because uh, he was baptized by our minister, and it wasn't long after he was baptized that the minister was caught in sexual indiscretion with the preschooler, okay. and and he had a hard time hmm. with this issue of is my baptism okay? Like, I do I need to get baptized again? And so, kind of walking him through this, what baptism was, and. Thinking about, yeah, thinking about the community. Or, I was baptized in this tradition. Right. Do I need to be rebaptized into a new tradition? Exactly. Like, no, you were baptized in the Christ. Exactly. Yeah. So, that, I just, I wondered as I was, you know, I thank God I didn't baptize any of you because I wouldn't have to have this yeah, problem. But except right. the people I baptized. But and that's then, not the point. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, Christ didn't send me to baptize. Well, like, well, we just alluded to the end of Matthew where he says, go into all nations, baptize. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, well, there was that. Well, all, yeah, okay, Stephanus and all nations, but otherwise, you know. <laughs> this has become the Spanish Inquisition sketch. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's where's your focus here? And the focus is uh, into, you know. And then, then he goes with Christ. a not to proclaim an eloquent wisdom. Yeah, yeah Obviously, right. Clearly, as yeah, I've wandered yeah. around a bit good, on that whole baptism issue. Good save, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, but it, it, it's it's a misunderstanding of baptism or or a misfocused identification, and uh, I belong to Paul or I belong to Apollos and I belong to or or I belong to Christ. Right? There's always the topper. Right? You know? oh, yeah. Well, uh, Christ baptized yeah, me. Well, yeah. I come back you know, like an argument with the little kid. I infinity. You know, there's no <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, you win. You win. Or, or this is the super spiritual people. I'm not exactly sure what that means. <laughs> What what is that person? How is that analogous to the others? Because that might be what you know he's he's directing them to. But clearly, this is a misunderstanding of what they're what that right. means if it's separating off from the others, right? Right. And Apollos is one who comes in later and uh, is eloquent. How much eloquent. do we know about Apollos other than what we have in the text? Can well, we, other than Acts. Uh, I was going to say Acts is, is yeah. it right where you find him? He's a, he's a disciple of John yeah, the Baptist. I think it's Acts nineteen and twenty. And uh, yeah, he's a disciple of, he's a powerful disciple of John and uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila instruct him more fully. Okay. Okay. And then he's, wow, then he's really powerful and eloquent. And the thing is at Corinth, this, if it's like incipient Gnosticism, like the, the first Christian mm-hmm. heresy. So- spiritualizing. Yeah. That it's all about your spirit and it's about this revelation. Part of that. Recent scholarship has has kind of emphasized or discovered that part of that is that it's associated with uh, wisdom, which is entangled in Greek thought with eloquence. Oh. And so, if an if a uh, a person comes in who's very eloquent, they might be exactly the kind of person you would think would be communicating this sort of uh, this sort of revelation, which mm. which is uh, comes comes in that fashion through through powerful teachers, eloquent teachers, of which evidently Paul well, is not that. Is not okay? an eloquent He's teacher. powerful, but not in words. Okay, And so that might be why he is then going to shift this discussion to, uh, I didn't come in, in that fashion. I came, you know, with foolishness. And uh, if you're reading it through what some people do, they read Acts uh, into this. He's just, in Acts, he's leaves... He leaves Athens and goes to Corinth. Mm-hmm. So at Athens, he's on Mars Hill and he's talking to philosophers. Right. Right. And it's a very different approach. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who can go to the university and preach, and he can go to the other side of town and preach too. He can go to the, wrong, the other side of the tracks. Paul is an amazingly robust, multifaceted person. Well, some people read into that trajectory. It's like, well, that didn't work at Athens, so he's trying a new he's trying a new tack in Corinth. Have you ever heard this? I have not. Oh yes, this is this is out there. Okay, which you know, hey, they're they're closely reading, or they're reading Acts. You know, that's something. We put it Let's that way. Encourage they're that. reading Acts. Maybe they're overly close, or they're drawing the wrong conclusions. But it's not it, Did, because they say he wasn't successful in Athens, so he's going to try something else. Well, no, he was successful in Athens. Yeah, he didn't play a church there, though. He didn't play a church. It wasn't as successful, but it's not like, yeah, well, try something else, I guess. Well, Do they do the same thing with Jesus in John three and four, right, where he talks to Nicodemus in John four and highly spiritual matters and. Well, that no, Nicodemus didn't work. I'll talk to the Samaritan woman and yeah, see, see, at, see if she at understood. Noon. That didn't go at well at noon. night. Let's try it at noon yeah. and talk about water. No doubt. Well, being born again, that was too high. That didn't work. Someone might have read it that way. <laughs> Jesus is taking a different approach. Yeah. Well, those are two scenes that are clearly meant to be read 
contrasting each other. I would hope, yes. But this is not the same sort of thing. It's not as Well, you could argue it is. I mean, I think that's what you're saying, right? That he's speaking in Athens in a way that's differently speaking in Corinth, but in a way that shows he's got range. Yeah, not like he's he's just trying this out. Let's see if this works. Maybe this works. I got my new missions book. It says sometimes. No, it's not as though he's changing his message for... uh, His audience. Because of what's happened in Athens. He's changing his audience because of the problems. Right. At Corinth, and one of those is uh, the the shamefulness and foolishness and weakness of the cross. All those are the opposite of what people at Corinth are are seeking: honor and power ah, gotcha. and status. And uh, also, so he's when he says, "I came not with eloquent wisdom, so the cross might not be named in power." That is a direct attack on what they're valuing mm-hmm. and a promotion of what he's trying to say. Right, right. And that's in that verse. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm not coming with elegant wisdom because yeah. that's the last thing we need. Except when you read his when you read his letters, you realize oh he can be he can be eloquent. Yeah. You know he goes into this even more in Second Corinthians. It's like he says very sophisticated arguments about how he I mean no talk pretty. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't buy that. Yeah. But you don't you don't do that for people who would you know be impressed by that or do that to impress people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, there's it's probably wrapped up in the Corinthian error that okay. eloquence is also a kind of part and parcel of this um, theology. Not the eloquence in and of itself in a non right. you but know heretical. It, but that it's stuff. a sign of wisdom for these people. For these that people. that meant this other element that is that is kind of cre- crept into his gospel. Which you he's must trying be to spiritual. Correct. God must be using you. Listen to how you yeah, sound. Look at that. And look yeah. how you look. Look how tall you are. You know, <laughs> God must Paulus. Paulus was probably tall and eloquent. And he probably was good looking. Yeah, well, you wouldn't name him Paulus if he wasn't. Everybody right? liked him. Yeah. Don't you hate people like that that everybody loves? Gosh. I hate people like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is the this is the issue um, at Corinth, and he starts starts right off with. Uh, these these divisions and and chasing after people um and even even relativizing i mean baptism baptism obviously is, is important and significant be saying you know this would be analogous to eloquence like these aren't let's refocus okay, the corrective is going to say that we got to just you're you're misunderstanding this yeah. what it's all about is the cross and usually when he talks about the cross he usually talks about cross and resurrection together this is the one letter where he doesn't talk about them together we waits to yeah, talk about resurrection resurrection at the end, because they believe they are resurrected in their spirits. That's part of the okay. Corinthian error. And so he is going to counter that and poke holes in that overinflated theology every chance he gets through uh, the cross and the wisdom and the, uh, the shamefulness of the cross, because that's that's the medicine they need. I, yeah. I think it would be fun to poke holes in overinflated theology. It is. They, go, they whistle around the room. And... <laughs> Other my own sound, sound effects. That's a sound effect we can put in later in post. We'll fix it in the in the mix. That's why it sounds so good. <laughs> oh wow! All right, I, you know, there's no light here. I thought maybe we might have a light theme, but we didn't. Uh, Nothing light here. No, 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 light. no. It's like we're not even building toward uh, Christmas. You no, know? no. Oh. This is this is good stuff. All right. Well, I hope that uh, you have found something useful today and we haven't enjoyed our podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for being in the conversation. Blessings.